Hello and welcome to the Good Old Days of Radio Show. It's a few days before Christmas and it's time for our big uh, Christmas special for this year. This is John Tefteller, your host and have been host for a couple years here. We're going to do a special long edition of the Good Old Days of Radio Show. They usually run somewhere around 35-40 minutes unless we have an hour show and then they'll run 65-70 minutes. But today we have a two-hour command performance broadcast with all the uh, big stars in Hollywood that were available that day, all working for free on behalf of the Armed Forces Radio Service. I know I've explained this before, but since this might be a, a new program for new listeners, um, because I think we'll get some special attention with this one. Let me just explain really quickly. Command Performance was a program never heard in the United States of America back in the 1940s when it was produced. It was produced in Hollywood with the top Hollywood talent of the day, but that top Hollywood talent <laughs> worked for free as part of the war effort, and as part of their working for free, one of the stipulations was that it could not be aired in the United States of America, that it was a special show that was done just for those serving in the armed forces overseas. So if you were in the Army during World War II, you could hear command performance, mail call, uh, and a few others that were produced just for the Armed Forces Radio Service. They pre-recorded them in Hollywood, they edited them in Hollywood, and then they pressed them up. Actually, Allied Pressing Plant in Los Angeles pressed them up on large 16-inch records, and they sent them copies of them. They pressed up a number of them, not just one or two, they, and they sent them to service bases all across Europe, Japan, everywhere in the Philippine Islands, everywhere where there was a U.S. base at any point. Uh, they would send copies of these shows, and they were allowed to be broadcast on the local radio show radio airwaves there for the enjoyment of the soldiers and the people helping with the war effort. So as a result of that, they could get the biggest stars in Hollywood to do things for free, and they didn't do them badly. They, they went all out. They wrote great scripts and gave great performances, and they're really fun shows to listen to today. So with that recap of what, the, what you're about to hear, this particular one has Bob Hope, Bing Crosby, Herbert Marshall, who was a famous actor at the time, Jimmy Durante, Jerry Colonna, Judy Garland, Judy Garland will sing for you, Ed Gardner, also known as Archie from Duffy's Tavern, and Frank Sinatra, and I think there's more, but that's enough to get us going. It's a full two hours. I don't know that we're taking a break in the middle of this. We may be just going for two hours, but either way, um, I will be back when we do take a break, and we'll see what's what after that so from december 15th they did this week or so before christmas december 15th 1945 i think they did it early to give them enough time to get it edited and pressed up on records and shipped overseas so they did it uh, at least a little over a week before christmas but even that would be pretty quick to get that done and pressed and overseas but they did december 15th 1945 here they go
Performance USA, the greatest entertainers in America, is requested by you, the men and women in the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command Performance, presented this week and every week, till you're back from over there. Well, gang, this is Ken Carpenter unwrapping the biggest Christmas package of the day. Command Performance, your present from Armed Forces Radio Service, Los Angeles, USA. This year, we wanted to make this a very realistic Christmas. Of course, we couldn't bring you any snow, we couldn't bring you a hunk of the North Pole or Santa Claus's igloo, but we are bringing you a man who has an icicle for a nose, and here he is, Bob Hope. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob, Christmas Command Hope. Telling all you occupation troops that are wearing iron lids, how are you going to get enough points to come back when it's Crosby who keeps having kids? <laughs> of course, even in the occupation troops, they're issuing passes to certain fellas for Christmas. Issuing passes to certain fellas for Christmas. That's an army expression, meaning eeny, meeny, miny, there ain't no mole. <laughs> But back home, we're having our first peacetime Christmas in four years, and you should see the mobs at the stores. I went up to one woman, and I said, isn't it wonderful to do Christmas shopping now that all the fighting has stopped? But she didn't answer me. How can you talk with all your teeth knocked out? <laughs> I went out to do a little shopping myself, and you should have seen the mobs of people. The streets were so crowded, my suspenders broke, and I walked six blocks before my pants fell down. <laughs> Inside the stores, it was even worse. Boy, was it crowded. I never saw so many shopping bags, and there were some pretty girls, too. I went up... <laughs> I tried to hide it from you. <laughs> I went up to the second floor on an escalator. You know what an escalator is. That's where you keep right on going up without doing anything yourself. Like a second lieutenant. But you, uh... <laughs> But you should have seen that second floor. The whole crowd moved in the same direction. Whether you liked it or not, you bought a silk nightgown. <laughs> and on me, it looked good. There was such a mob, I climbed up on a counter to get some air. And before I could climb down, I was sold for $1.98. <laughs> there was quite a fight going on at one counter. They just one pair of beautiful silk underwear shorts for sale. And a general had hold of one end with both hands, and the civilian was pulling on the other. Just then, a private walked in and saluted. <laughs> he should be out of the guardhouse by 1954. <laughs> but the big hit this Christmas in 1945 is the new cars. A lot of these auto companies have been working on airplanes, and they're still a little confused. In fact, one car is a new speedometer. When it hits 60, a red light flashes. it. When it hits 75, a bell rings. And when it hits 110, a voice says, it's been a slight mistake in the assembly line, bud. You better bail out. <laughs> You should see the wonderful new improvements. The two biggest features are air brakes and unbreakable windshields. You can speed up to 100 miles an hour and stop on a dime. Then you press a special button and a putty knife scrapes you off the windshield. <laughs> Everything is automatic. In fact, this year you press a button, the press is a button. But the best thing in the new cars is a special horn. When you pass a brunette, it plays good, good, good. When you pass a blonde, it plays that's for me. And when you pass a redhead, it stops and you play. And now, fellas, I 
I'd like you to meet a grand old trooper. This generation loves him as dearly as the last two did. That lovable old singer of songs, Bing Crosby, right? <laughs> Do you hear that whistle down the line? I figure that it's engine number 49. She's the only one that's gonna sound that way on the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. See the smoke arising round the bend. I reckon that she knows she's gonna meet a friend. Folks around these parts get the time of day From the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe Hey, Jim, you better get out the rig Cause she's got a list of passengers that's pretty big And they'll all want lifts down to Brown's Hotel Cause lots of them been traveling for quite a spell All the way from Philadelphia On the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe Travel on the Santa Fe, Bay. All the time, I love the Santa Fe Always get me good accommodations Oh, do they really? Yes, I had a room all to myself going east Good Funny thing, though, the porter locked me in at every station Never been on Figure that it's engine number 49. She's the only one that's gonna sound that way on the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. See the smoke arising round the bend. I reckon that she knows she's gonna meet a friend. Folks around these parts get the time of day from the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. Jim, you better get out the rig Cause she's got a list of passengers that's pretty big And they'll all want lifts down to Brown's Hotel Cause lots of them been traveling for quite a spell All the way from Philadelphia On the Atchison, Topeka and the Santa Fe On the Atchison, Topeka and the Santa Fe on the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. On the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. The good old eighty and the Santa Fe. I'm sure that was thoroughly enjoyed. I'm sure that was thoroughly enjoyed by all limited servicemen with broken hearing devices. <laughs> oh, you're very sweet, Prongpuss. Very sweet. <laughs> Listen, Bing, in case you haven't heard, I'm having a big Christmas party tonight. Free? <laughs> what kind of a shindig oh, is it you, going you to be? You haven't got any more of that um... Gonzaga stuff. <laughs> What kind oh, of a shindig? This kid's going to come up with many a lull here tonight. Where are you? <laughs> What'd you say, Daddy? What kind of a shindig? 
Well, it's, uh, wait till I see the shins. But I tell you, I, I was thinking of making it sort of a costume party. Yeah. What do you think? I think you're ready. You're <laughs> But, uh... What do you... Don't you go any further. <laughs> tell me, what do you think that I should come as? Why don't you come as a man with hair? Oh, no. <laughs> Are you kidding, Bing? I think <clears throat> you have a capital dome. Matter of fact... I noticed a little growth of fuzz there this afternoon. Is that nice? Mm-hmm. It's that new octane. Smooth, <laughs> very yeah. smooth stuff. Goes down easy, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, Bingo, do you think you can get to my party? I don't know, Bob. I've got to fix up our own tree for my boys. You're familiar with the Crosby Tots, no doubt. Crosby Tots? Mm-hmm. When is Gary's kids getting out of the service? <laughs> do you want me to talk about... Thought you'd never make it, old boy. <laughs> I'd check about that. That's a late reaction, old boy. You get them later, enjoy them longer. <laughs> hey, let's go here. You Where want to we? talk about age? You want, to, want me to... Uh, talking about age, you want me to mention your USO unit at Valley Forge? That time? <laughs> I wait so long to get it something in. It's a big... Well, you've got another line. Just yeah. But you say this is going to be a masquerade party, huh? Come again? What are you coming as, really? I'm coming as the thin man. The thin man? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Everybody will think you've got Asta under your vest there. <laughs> I still, I'm just in a dither. I don't know how I should appear. Well, what? why don't you make up as one of your own horses? Then you wouldn't even have to show. <laughs> You could just come as a pot of glue or something. Oh, you know? <laughs> Well, if I do make it come to your party, I suppose you'll expect some expensive trinket or bauble or something. Oh, don't let that worry you, Bing. You didn't last year. <laughs> you must be jesting. You don't remember my gift? Oh, yes, very snappy. A mother-of-pearl button hook. <laughs> I haven't worn shoes like that since my junior prom at Vassar. <laughs> Bob, my dear boy, that wasn't for your shoes. I thought you could use it to take a hitch in your stays. <laughs> Look who's talking, a flesh dumpling. Merry Christmas, Bing. Well, Dinah Shaw. Well. Merry Christmas, Dinah. You remember my colleague here, Bob. If it's not a yacht, throw it out, folks. You remember <laughs> Oh, sure. I've known Bob since he was a cub. <laughs> That's not fair, Dinah. Haven't I always been platonic with you? Oh, sure. Platonic. That's hope language for what did I do with those etchings again? <laughs> are, you, are you going to Bob's party? Yes, Bing, I am. As a matter of fact, Bob suggested we have a progressive party. You know, at my house, we have the hors d'oeuvres, turkey, cranberry sauce, dressing, vegetables, dessert, coffee, and brandy. And then we all go over to Bob's house. What for? To burp? Dinah, you know very well we're going to do all the eating at my house All you promised to do was help prepare the stuff Did you get those hot dogs I sent over? Hot dogs? All I got was 200 empty skins What did you expect me to do with them? Fill them, girl, fill them Well, you know what with I sent over four turkeys this morning Oh, oh goody, turkey furniture yeah. <laughs> Turkey furniture, by the way 
is always pulling those darbs. Say, uh, by the way, Dinah, remember what you promised to lend me? Oh, Bob, I don't think I can. Oh, but Dinah, I need it. Well, Please, Bob, Dinah might be wearing it herself. <laughs> Stay out of this, Blub. You know, Dinah, what I, what I like about it is that it so little holds so much. <laughs> yes, it does. And it makes it so firm. <laughs> oh, all right, Bob. I'll lend you my ice cream freezer. <laughs> Swell. Now, well, you'll have to excuse me now. I've got to type up a big list of presents, I expect. So I'll see you at, <laughs> I'll see you at the party, Dinah. And how about you, Bing? Are you in? Oh, I don't know, Bob. I did have a previous engagement. Oh, you don't have to keep it this year. They can get another baritone in that Salvation Army quartet. <laughs> how would the pennies sound so nice? <laughs> Turkey first. <laughs> Those pennies sound so nice when they hit my tambourine. I'll think it over, Bob. Meanwhile, there's a shore special dangling under the mistletoe from the top, please. And Miss Dinah? You've got it, Bing. Every day. the slumbering shadows along the Navajo Trail. When it's night and crickets are calling and the coyotes are making a way, I dream by a smoldering fire along the Navajo Trail. I love to lie and listen to the music When the wind is strumming a sagebrush guitar And over yonder hill the moon is climbing It always finds me wishing on a star Well, what do you know? It's morning already There's the dawning To climb into my saddle and ride the Navajo
down ashore. It's an ill wind that blows nobody good, but here's a good wind that blows nobody ill. The little boy with the blue horn, Mr. Harry James, right here. Harry, I suppose you'll be at my party tonight. Well, Bob, I don't know if I can make it. Oh, well, Harry, you've got to be there. Well, I don't know. I'm awfully busy. Harry, the party just can't go on if you're not there. Well, gee, Bob, I'd like to come. But you must, Harry. You must. You're my best friend, my closest companion. There's no one I like better. Please come. Well, I don't know if I can. Well, okay. If you can't make it, send your wife. <laughs> well, believe me, Bob, I'll try and make your party. But right now, I have to answer a request to command performance. Take a look at this letter I received from the Philippines, Bob. It came with a big box that contained a pretty surprising package. What was in it, Harry? A Japanese bugle. Hmm, let me see the letter. Harry James, Command Performance, USA. Dear Harry, enclosed in package, you'll find a Japanese bugle captured by the Force Sound Ranging Platoon during the fighting in the Philippines. Six of our unit, accompanied by Filipino guerrillas, were alone in Japanese-infested territory. We were attacked about 3 o'clock in the morning, but drove the nips off, and Corporal C.E. Fowler grabbed the bugle as a souvenir. This little skirmish on a lonely hill in the Philippines did not make headlines, but was very important to us. Corporal Fowler sends this bugle to you, hoping in return you will sound taps for the Japs on their own bugle. Sincerely, members of the 4th Platoon, 289th F.A. Observation Battalion, APO 70. Well, Harry, here's the bugle. Are you going to sound taps? No, Bob. Those boys already sound the taps for the Japs, but just for fun, let's see what a couple of hot riffs sound like on a bonsai bugle. Send it to Benny Goodman. Maybe it's a clarinet. <laughs> well, I, I guess I Lovely better stick lips. to... You ought to have Joey Brown here for that, uh, yeah. for that thing. I guess, Bob, I better stick to my own bugle. An excellent suggestion. Mm -hmm. How about giving out with something with a bit of bounce? Okay, here's the whole gang tripping lightly through the two o'clock jump.
Uh, to add a touch of dignity to this Christmas clam bake, we look at our file under Dignified, and there we find cultured, refined, suave, Herbert Marshall. Thank you, Ken, my boy. It was nice of you to ask me over, but I'm in a bit of a hurry. I'm invited to Bob Hope's party again this year. Oh, what's your hurry, Bart? The party isn't for a little while yet. No, I have to go to the bank and get some change for tips. <laughs> By the way, uh, Ken, who's going to be at the party this year? Oh, people of great importance. Betty Davis, Luella Parsons, Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, a lot of people. How do you like that? He left that umbriago. Jimmy Durante! I'd like to have you meet Herbert Marshall. Glad to know you, Mr. Marshall. It's a pleasure. The, um, the happenstance of this fortuitous meeting shall be added to my collection of appreciative enjoyment. Sometimes I wish I could speak a foreign language. <laughs> By the way, what nationality are you? I, uh, I come from England. Oh, to be sure. That's in London, isn't it? <laughs> mm, yes, just on the outskirts. It was... <laughs> it was lucky I met you tonight, Herbert. You don't mind if I call you by your maiden name? No, no, please do. Please do. You know, Bob Hope is going to give a big party tonight. Yes, I understand it's going to be quite a soiree. That's all right. I'll leave before the cops come. <laughs> by the way, Mr. Marshall, you being British and coming from a long line of Brits makes you, makes you just the man I'm looking for. I may have a job for you. A job? Yes, I need a valet. You mean... Uh... Yes, I want you to be my gentleman's gentleman. No, it won't work. We're short one gentleman. <laughs> Usher, stand erect. Add a little class to the joint. <laughs> Repeat that line. I think I got a laugh here. Repeat that line. It won't work. It won't work. We're short one gentleman. Well, you can study nights. <laughs> I got a million of them. <laughs> Jimmy, now, would you say that you occupy a social position sufficient to warrant having a manservant? Oh, yes. It's a well-known fact that Durandy is practically stinking with charm. Yeah, you'll, uh, <clears throat> you'll pardon my skepticism, but a true gentleman must have a background of generations of culture. It may interest you to know that I have an Angelo uh, Saxton genealogy. <laughs> they thought I couldn't pronounce it, the bums. <laughs> And uh, Angelo said, well, uh, uh, are you sure? How can I be sure? I don't even know what it means. <laughs> oh, it means, that, uh, it means that some of your ancestors were born in England. Is that true, Jimmy? Yes. My great-grandfather, Sir Rumpelbottom Durante, mm -hmm. was an important man in Wickenham County. And the regime of Henry IV, he presided over a big country seat. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. But with the event of King Henry V, he fell into political disfavor. He was forced to move the country seat from Wickingham to Trickingham. Then he had to move it from Trickingham to Pickingham. What a dilemma. There he was with a big seat and no place to put it. <laughs> you know, Jimmy, your mentioning the names of those English townships brings back memories of my young manhood. Many as the afternoon, we young fellows used to go out hunting quail... Just a minute. Did you say quail? <laughs> yeah, that's, um... <laughs> yeah, that's a bird. 
Pardon me, I mistook your intentions. <laughs> but that is neither Telly nor who. <laughs> Mr. Marshall, I need your advice on the proper attire from which to attire myself for the party. Well, I understand it's formal. Uh, do, you have any, do you have any black trousers? No, but I can always smear some kiwi on my long underwear. <laughs> now, Jimmy, you can't go to a party in long underwear. Why not? If things get dull, I can always make a graceful exit through the escape hatch in the back. <laughs> well, Jimmy, seriously, things won't get dull if you sing a song. Why don't you rehearse one right now? Noble idea, Mr. Marshall. When I open my mouth... That's what comes out. I was walking down Park Avenue the other day. I was whistling Janine Armia. A fellow who was coming in the opposite direction. He bumped right into Mia. Now, I didn't say nothing. I just kept on going. Don't you think he turned around and said, but don't you look where you're going? Now, I stood aghast as it wasn't my fault. Then he pushed me off the sidewalk onto the asphalt. So I ups to him, and he ups to me. Say, then I ups to him, and I said, I said it was his fault. He said it was my fault. I said it was his fault. He said, if you don't like it, I'll punch you right in the proboscis. I was so mad, I was frotting at the kneecaps. <laughs> so I ups to him, and he ups to me. But I don't do nothing. I just keeps my attitude, see? Then I said, wait a minute, Mac. You don't look like a lumberjack. But you can't bulldoze me. And with that, to show him who was boss, I put the chip on my shoulder and I said, knock it off. Knock it off. Five minutes later, the chip was still there. But the shoulder was gone. <laughs> so I ups to him and he ups to me. So I goes my way and he goes my way. Well, exhausted and fatigued and tired too, I stopped at a nearby pharmacy for my daily vitamins. I was munching vitamins A, B, C, and D and was getting down to E, F, G, and H when I feels a tap on my shoulder and a voice saying, have one on me, partner. Thinking it was the same chump, I whirls around as quick as a flash I ups to him when I finds myself face to face with a westerner, a tough hombre. So I stops up to him and I says, pardon me, stranger, a stone got in my shoe. You needn't start cussing. I haven't done anything to you. Recognizing a drawl in my voice, he asked me where I hails from. And when I said Barzi Ranch, Phoenix, Tombstone, Arizona, he hits me with his leather boot, blackens my eye, knocks me down, picks me up, knocks me down, picks me up. But I kept smiling through it all. I had a smile. He had his fist in my mouth. <laughs> so I left him to his own resources. Now the scene changes. Three years has elapsed. I've grown a perfect toupee and I've prospered. I'm laying on the beach at Waikiki, just a millionaire on the loose. When I feel someone pick me on the schnoz and a voice singing a lot carouse. It was I remember you. It was I remember you. Why, you're the feller with the big smeller. I remember. After three years, who comes back to torment me? Knocked the shoulder off McNulty. So I ups to him and he ups to me. So I goes my way and he goes the way of all flesh. Very nice. I know some of you men are lucky enough to be stationed where you can have a big Christmas tree decorating your mess hall. And I only wish this next little thrush had a nest in each one of those trees. Here she is, Miss Jenny Sims. 
fine introduction, Bob. That leaves me up a tree. Yeah, I bet it never had such a nice pair of limbs. But before... <laughs> before I do anything else, Ginny, I want to invite you to my Christmas party tonight. Well, thank you. In that case, I'd better drop by my house and put on a party dress. You know, Harry James and his band will be there. It'll be quite a thing. Well, in that case, I'd better put on a formal evening gown. And naturally, we'll sit out a few dances on the love seat together. <laughs> I wonder where I could get my hands on a suit of armor. <laughs> time for your song now, Jenny, so why don't you go right ahead while I run out and look for a can opener. All right, Bob. <laughs> All right, Bob. Here's till the end of time. Long as stars are in the blue Long as there's a string of birds to sing I'll go on loving you Till the end of time Long as roses bloom in May my love for you will grow deeper with every passing day till the wells run dry and each mountain disappears. I'll be there for you to care for you through laughter and through so take my heart in sweet surrender and tenderly say that I'm the one you love and live for till the end of
Jenny, I wonder how the preparations for the party are coming along. Professor Clone is supposed to be attending to all the details, <laughs> buying all the food, and uh, that must be Kelowna now. Hello? Hello, is this the restaurant? Send over the cheapest food you've got, charge top prices, and we'll split the profits. <laughs> Send the bill to Bob Hope. Kelowna, this is Hope talking. Built myself a nice little booby trap, didn't I? <laughs> Kelowna, stop fooling around and start preparing for dinner. Well, that's just what I'm doing, Hope. I'm in the kitchen right now, and I'm very busy with a pot roast. A pot roast? Oh, Professor, kiss me. Hmm. One of the prettier pots. <laughs> Professor, why don't you just settle down and marry another idiot? Well, sorry, Hope, I'd rather be just a sister to you. <laughs> Kelowna, haven't you prepared any refreshments for the party? I certainly hope. I just got a bucket of Pepsi-Cola from a cow. That's ridiculous, Kelowna. Cows don't give Pepsi-Cola. They don't? No. Well, I'll taste it and see. Mm. What do you know? Southern Comforts. <laughs> Here's one of your salad favorites, an AFRS regular fella who not only writes great songs, but sings them too after a fashion. Preferably an old fashion. Anyway, aided and abetted by the Pied Pipers, here's Johnny Mercer singing Camp Town Races right here. Camp Town ladies sing this song, doo-da, doo-da. Camp Town racetrack five miles long, doo-da, day. Come down here with my hat caved in, doo-da, doo-da. Can't go back with a pocket full of tin, whoa, doo-da, day. Fine to run all night, fine to run all day. I bet my money on a bobtail nag, somebody bet on me. All the long tail Billy and the big black horse, doo-da, doo-da. Fly the track and the cut across, oh, doo-da day. Fine horse sticking in a big mud hole, doo-da, doo-da. Can't catch bottom with a ten-foot pole, oh, doo-da day. Do do da, going to run all day. Oh, do da, bet my money on a bobtail nag. Somebody bet on me. Oh, do da, grandstands filled with a happy crowd. Oh, do da, hey, the clothes ain't fast, but the show is loud. Oh, do da, every high-born lady wears a fancy lid. Sports all hollering, oh, you kid, if you ain't made a wager, time you did. They're at the post. There goes the gun. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> 
smoke if you like. Thanks. Hey, John, that was swell. How would you like to do an encore? Well, I'd like it fine, Bob, but I only had one other song prepared. Uh, Atchison Speaker in the Santa Fe, and that's already been done by your Mr. Crosby. Well, don't give them to me, John, not even for Christmas. <laughs> but that reminds me, Johnny, you're coming to my party tonight, aren't you? Well, yes, Bob, I made a little money on my last song. I guess I can afford it. Johnny, you sound more like Crosby every minute. That is when you talk. Somebody mentioned my name? What's the difference? You'd have come over anyway. <laughs> he has to be in the middle of everything. That's what I get for giving him lines in our last picture. Oh, no. <laughs> You'll be a nice boy or I'll make you call me Mr. Bergen instead of just playing Edgar. Hi, Bing. I was just telling Bob here what a nice job I thought you did on Atchison's Speaker in the Santa Fe. Oh, I'm so happy you liked it, John. I didn't interfere with you, did it? I mean, you didn't want to sing it yourself or anything? Oh, no, no. I don't like to sing anymore. Any more than B.O. Plenty likes money. Why, <laughs> uh, shucks, Bing's the logical one to sing Atchison's Speaker in Santa Fe anyway. Oh, I don't know about that. I introduced it in a picture called Harvey. Well, I? Judy Garland... Judy, did you want to sing Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe tonight? Yes, I wanted to sing Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe tonight, too. Well, gosh, Judy, I'm sorry I sang Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe first. I don't know about you folks, but I wish I was on the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. Roman something, Roman something. No kidding, though, Johnny. It's a swell song. How did you ever happen to get the idea for it? Well, I got the idea from a family I once visited near Topeka, Kansas. They were real hillbillies. There are no hills in Kansas. All right, they were flat billies. <laughs> and if you, Bing, and Bob will jump in and play some of the characters, we'll show the guys just how I happened to get the idea for the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. Well, you got yourself some characters, John. A little flat billy music, please. <laughs> And now let's look in on the poor but crummy shack of the lazy but shiftless Hawkins family. Johnny, oldest and dirtiest Hawkins, is being wooed by Judy Holcomb, member of a rival clan. As the scene opens, Johnny has spied his pappy coming across the clearing. Hey, you better get here comes a uh, pappy across the clearing riding on his donkey. Which is your pappy? <laughs> The one with the long ears. Why, that old buzzard, I'll take my gun and fill him so full of lead he'll have to send his laundry to the smelting place. Now, you look here, Judy Holcomb. You better quit shooting holes in me. The gophers is moving in already. Well, I can't help it. Men's and unions is feuding. Dag Nabbit, you're right. Whenever a Holcomb gets near me, I just naturally smell the scum. Well, there's another nostril for you. What do you smell now? <laughs> oh, Pappy, why must usins and them ones have to be fighting all the time? How come all this feud never done got started? Well, it's this way, son. My great, 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 great grandpa run away with Judy's great, 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 great grandpa's wife. When did this happen? Yesterday. <laughs> They went to Niagara Falls on the honeymoon, but I don't think it'll do them any good. Why not? Well, they're both so darn deep, they won't be able to hear the water. 
Say, tell me, where's your other son, Hope Hawk? Well, he's out in the back there, yonder, spearing leaves with his nose. Well, now, there's my idea of a talented fella. Here I come now. <laughs> Hello, Poppy. <laughs> Hello, son. <laughs> They got him cast right. Uh, <laughs> continue. Well, look who's here. Our old enemy, Judy Holcomb. Give me a kiss, enemy. Why, heck no. You still got a leaf on your beak. <laughs> Gosh, you sure look pretty, Judy. You're so romantic looking. You got my heart a thumping like a hound dog's leg in scratching season. Well, I... I kind of hate to admit it, but, but you got mine or something, too. How about you and me and getting hitched? Well, I don't know. Do you really love me, or do you just want someone to shoo the flies off you? <laughs> well, I guess it's a little of both. What do you say? Oh, I say, okay. Packley, I'm going to give Judy a ring. Is that all right? Well, not with me, it ain't. Nobody's going to put nothing in my girl's nose. <laughs> but she wants to marry up with me, John. How come, Judy? I thought she was sweet on me. Well, what makes you think so? Well, every night we used to sit out in the moonlight and hold toes. <laughs> well, Hope's got just as many toes as you have. I got more. <laughs> now, look here, Judy, girl. You've got to make up your mind right away. If I forget about our feud, which one of my sons do you want to marry? Well, Hope, I guess. But first, I'd like to know how old he is. He's 18 years old. Time I don't love me for this. <laughs> you see, I know he's 18 year old because he takes a bath every year and there's 19 rings around the tub. 19 rings? I thought you said he was 18. Well, I gotta wash up once in a while. <laughs> But there's been too much stolen. Let's have the nuptials right away. Now, hold on there, gal. There'll be no nuptials in this house till after the wedding. And that's how I happened to write the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe. <laughs> well, now that we've got that cleared up, here's Judy to sing a little something for you. Aladdin's lamp is mine 
dream I dreamed was not denied me Just one look and then I knew That all I longed for Long from this phone booth to tell you that and I've tried to get exactly so now the only thing to do is see? <laughs> Kelowna, there must be something wrong with this connection. Why does everything you say have something missing in the middle? Use the lifesaver instead of a nickel. Kelowna, what did you call for, anyhow? Well, I wanted to know whether you'd like to, uh, some nice, fresh lobster for dinner. Well, are you sure it's fresh? Fresh. This lobster walks over, sits down on a piece of lettuce in front of you, and commits hatty kerris. <laughs> Kelowna, I thought we were going to have meat for dinner. We are, Hope. We're having rump steak. How would you like your rump steak? Rare, medium, or well done? Well done. Well, come on, bossy. Sit down on that heating pad again. <laughs> You know, Kelowna, you shake my faith. No, you shake my faith. I want to see what falls out of my mustache. I can see right now that we're going to have a miserable dinner tonight. Oh, don't be silly, Hope. I just finished making a delicious soup. I put everything in the kitchen in it. What a great soup. Everything in the kitchen went into it. By the way, Hope, did I have a guy here helping me? (laughs) Of course you had a guy there helping you. Well, I'll strain the soup and call you back. (laughs) And now here's another Christmas treat. Surrounding the command performance microphone for the umpteenth time are the Pied Pipers. 
bracing for you with all eight lungs going to one. Well, kids, and don't forget to drop over for the party. Hey, Mr. Hope, but I... Uh... Well, and if it isn't Archie of Duffy's Tavern. Uh, Mr. Hope, I heard you throwing a Christmas party, so I says to myself, I says, Archie, why don't you help Hope out and get him some talent? And not just plain first-rate talent, you know. Better than that? Second-rate. <laughs> so you want to get me some entertainment for my party, eh, Archie? Yeah, for an allotment, of course. Uh, you know, you ain't talking to no bum. <laughs> we live and learn. <laughs> yeah. Now, I-, I can get you a certain person who is in great demand at parties. Oh, you can? Well, who is he? I can get you Bing Crosby. <laughs> You mean my straight man in the movies? <laughs> yeah, the fellow they all laugh at. <laughs> the guy is a very good singer, you know. Quite a career this Crosby's had. You know, he studied for eight years before he found out he couldn't sing, and by that time he was too famous to quit. <laughs> Archie, I know that with a client like Crosby, you probably get 50% commission. So rather than see you lose it, I'll say, go get Crosby. Okay, Mr. Hope, your fish is my... I mean, your wish is my command. Uh, excuse me while I repair to his dressing room. Canuck, canuck. Come in. Oh. My dear Archie, it's so good to see you. May I tell you, it warms the cockles of this old wandering troubadour's ticker to find himself with the comforting presence of such an estimable character as yourself. <laughs> 
Crosby, you pop out syllables like they were sons. <laughs> I don't fun. mind them big words, you know, but, you know, it ain't fair to people that don't understand them. Like who? Like you. Hmm? <laughs> so leave a lay off if you want to use big words, you know. I'll match your uh, vocal... Ba- at, uh, I'll match you any time. <laughs> okay, Archie, truce. Tell me, how are things at Duffy's? Well, her place has been closed for altercations. Now, you mean alterations. Altercation is a fight, a brawl. Mr. Crosby, what happens at Duffy's ain't no taffy pull. (laughs) When we reopen, you won't hardly know the joint. Well, the sight may be different, but I have a hunch the smell will be the same. That's where you're wrong. We just sprayed the place with uranium. You see, uh, we're going to retrench. Retrench? Yeah, enlarge the joint. Uh, (laughs) Also, we're going to add a new Swedish cook, a dame, you know, one of them smorgasbrods. Archie, what did you come to see me about, really? Well, it's like this. Bob Hope and me was talking about how many people get by on the radio without no talent, you know, and somehow rather your name came up. (laughs) I'm honored. Well, anyways, that's what started the argument. What argument? About who's better, you or Sinatra, you see. So Hope says, look, Archie, sometimes Bing ain't as good as Frankie, and sometimes Frankie is better than Bing. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes it's just the other way around. There's two sides to every question, of course. Yeah. So I says, look look at it logical, Bob. Bing is to Frankie as Stravinsky is to Haydn, see? So Hope says, you're wrong, Archie. Bing is the one that should be Haydn. Thank you. Okay, no compliment intended. Uh, Crosby, uh, leave us stop this shilly-dally and get down to business. What's on your mind, Archie? Well, I want you to sing on Bob Hope's Christmas party. I suppose if it's for Hope, it's for charity. How much do you get back? Well, I wasn't coming to that, but here I am. Well, at Duffy's, you remember I offered you 15 bucks a week? Do you think I was worth it, Arch? No, but what can you get for 15 bucks these days? Uh, but uh, do you know how much I'm going to ask for you from Hope? How much? 20 bucks. 20 bucks? Yeah. Suppose he finds out uh, I work for you for 15. I'll tell him it included meals. <laughs> uh, don't forget, three meals a day, seven days a week at Duffy's Tavern is easy worth $2. <laughs> Well, 15, 15, and 2, that's, uh, that's only 17. Yeah, well, since that time you made that picture that'd go in my way so that your name is worth something. <laughs> that'd be another buck. Yeah, but that's... <laughs> that's only 18. How are you going to get the other two? The other two? It sure is tough getting you big dough, Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> But you know that hope ain't too bright neither, so maybe we can railroad it. Well, you do the best. You were just grand. I saw you. Say, most of you, most of you used to look forward to finding an orange in your stocking on Christmas morning, but instead of an orange today, we bring you a Florida peach, Miss Frances Langford. Right here. <laughs> Hello, Bob. Merry Christmas.
Christmas, boys? Francis, you're coming to my Christmas party, aren't you? Oh, fine. Are you going to play Santa Claus again this year? No, last year I got in a lot of trouble playing Santa Claus. You did? Yeah, I had a big pillow tucked under my belt, and I'll never forget a tough kid came up and punched me right in the stomach. What'd you do? I snowed on him for ten minutes. <laughs> you never told me, Bob. How'd you like that beautiful white sweater I knitted for you last year? Oh, it was swell, Francis, but it was a little loose and stretchy. Loose and stretchy? Yes, I put it on Christmas morning and hung down on my hips. By noon, it was down on my ankles. And in the evening, I was coming out of a flower shop with a back dragging along the ground. And an old woman said, you're a lovely bride, my dear, but where's the groom? <laughs> Santa... <laughs> Let's not get antagonistic, folks. <laughs> I told you we ought to break this thing up. <laughs> Santa... Santa was pretty good to you last year, wasn't he, Francis? Oh, yes. Lots of people gave me expensive presents. And I got a gift from you, too, Bob. Oh, no. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Francis. That wasn't a cheap necklace I gave you. Those pearls looked exactly like the real thing. They were nice and white and shiny, weren't they? Yes, Bob. You certainly did a wonderful job of spraying peptidin on those BBs. <laughs> well, how about giving me a hint this year, Francis? Oh, I don't really need anything, Bob. I'm happy enough with these new nylon stockings. Oh, is that new parachute nylon the government released? Yes. In fact, these happen to be made from a parachute. Oh. Bob, stop looking for the ripcord. <laughs> Just trying to win my wings. <laughs> well, taxi down the runway while I take off with the song.
now this Christmas command turns to... Oh, pardon me, Bob, but I gotta talk to you right away. Well, it's the professor from the College of Musical Knowledge, Kay Kaiser. Kay, did you get the invitation to my Christmas party? Yes, Bob, and that's what I want to see you, you know. I, I got to get some advice. You came to me for advice? Sure, Bob. I want to get a girl to take to the party, and I don't know where to get one. Okay, just follow a pair of slacks down Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, uh, but, Bob, men and women both wear slacks. How am I going to tell them apart? Oh, you'll think of something. <laughs> Well, don't worry about girls. After all, you know what Kipling said. A woman is nothing but a rag, a bone, and a hank of hair. I know, but they're put together so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Honest, Bob, I've tried everything. I just can't get a girl. Well, Kay, maybe the trouble with you is you're too skinny. Me? Skinny? Well, I'll have you know I weigh 125 pounds. Really? What do you weigh stripped? I don't know. I'm bashful. <laughs> All right, Kay, I'll find a girl for you. Let me see my little black book. Mm, Pamela Jones. Great in the picture show, but demands load seats. <laughs> he used to be in my yeah. band. He's got to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's one that wants to come back. That's, that's the fellow you paid, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right, Kay, I'll find a girl for you. Let me see my little black book. Hmm. <laughs> no, you won't don't be... laugh at me. I don't have a band, brother. <laughs> Peggy Stafford, trained in Griffith Park. Oh, here's the one for you. <laughs> here's the one for you, Kay. A very refined and charming girl. You know, Boston family, high society. Oh, no. No, no use calling. Why not? This is Friday. She wrestles tonight. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Uh, that me? Oh, no. <laughs> That's you. Read anything through there. It all sounds... <laughs> I told you to wear the thick lenses. It's right there. <laughs> This is for this Christmas, you know (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to come to your party, Bob If I can't find a girl Oh, well, don't worry, Kay There's a girl waiting for you in some nook or cranny Well, what do you know, men? Well, there's one from the cranny (laughs) Here's where I kill two birds with one stone Say, Kay, you want a nice pure girl, don't you? I sure do And Cash, you want a nice simple fella, don't you? I do I now pronounce you pure and simple Oh, well, maybe we can still have fun. After all, beauty is only skin deep. Yeah. Who peeled you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I've got to find a girl. Oh, well, G.K., how am I ever 
never going to catch him in. Say, do you think I should wear a heavier perfume? No, wear a lighter perfume and carry a heavier club. <laughs> don't have to do that. Oh, gee whiz. Another romance, another failure. Every time I thought I was going to get married, I planted seeds to raise my own orange blossoms. You did? <laughs> yeah. Now I got 10,000 crates of oranges and no one to squeeze them. <laughs> Say, look, Kay, take me to the party tonight. You won't be ashamed of me, honest. Look, I, I, I'll be all dressed up and wearing my low-cut gown with no back and no sleeves and no straps. A gown with no straps, no sleeves, no back? Oh, pray tell me, miss, what holds it up? The law of gravity? <laughs> no. Laws of California. <laughs> Get over, Cass. Maybe I will take you to the party. Oh, well, wonderful, Kay. You know, I'm so happy I could sing. Okay, you take it on the high note, and I'll take it on the lamb. Oh, gee, no, <laughs> I realize that a beauty prize is something I never will take. I'm quite aware neither pills nor prayer can rectify nature's mistake. I guess I'm an ran Me with my gorgeous pants. Every time I try to get a man, he always gets away. Well, you can't blame a gal for trying. There was one who seemed to love me till I tried to name the day. Well, you can't blame a gal for trying. One guy almost married me the very night we met. Then he saw me in the daylight and he ain't stopped running yet. I may never get a sucker for the stroke down brunette. Murder Jack. He started throwing stuff. 
forces who happen to be 13-year-old girls, we bring you your one and only singing favorite, the first Adam ever split, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Lie down anywhere. <laughs> Thank you. That's a very peachy introduction, Dad. Peachy? <laughs> so, uh, so only 13-year-old girls like me, huh? That's what I hear. All this stuff about 13-year-olds and me is just plain propaganda. I know one beautiful movie star who goes to me, and she isn't 13 either. Really? I didn't know Lassie cared. <laughs> well, she does. <laughs> yeah, come to think of it, Frank, why shouldn't Lassie love you? That's sure. a great thrill for a dog, hearing a pile of bones sing. <laughs> you been talking to Crosby lately, boy? <laughs> Can't miss him. Well, after all, Frankie... The guy works at the same studio with me. I got to talk to him sometimes. You see, he has the key to the washroom. <laughs> I thought Crosby was behind all this. Why does he insult me that way? Why, I wouldn't hurt a fly. Not even if you sat on one. <laughs> Honest, Bob, I don't know why Bing should treat me like this. Why, I've never said anything but the nicest things about that fat old gentleman. <laughs> Frankie, look, this is Christmas. The time of goodwill and brotherly love. You shouldn't call Bing a fat old gentleman. Well, he's fat, isn't he? 
Yes. He's old, isn't he? Yes. He's a... Ge- See how wrong you are? <laughs> what, what better time is there than Christmas to end all this petty squabbling? Well, what do you suggest, Bob? Well, why don't the two of you get it all out of your systems at once? Insult each other as hard as you can, and after that, you've got to become friends. Gee, that sounds wonderful. You mean I can say anything to him that I want? Sure. Oh, boy. <laughs> Tie his hands and let's go, kid. <laughs> okay, I'll be the referee, and the guy who scores the most points gets the decision. Hey, Bing! Bing! Step over here, will you? What are you two guys cooking up? As if I didn't know it was me. <laughs> Well, Bing, the time has come to stop these silly arguments between you and Sinatra, so we're going to let you insult each other all you please one last time. Are you ready to rip into him, boy? I have been for years. <laughs> Good, we'll get started. Ladies and gentlemen, we now present the battle of the century, a fight to the finish between no hair and no anything. <laughs> Red Skelton gets co- out soon. You watch it. Be stabbed. Take your time. What'd you say, dear? Red Skelton will be out soon. Yes. <laughs> I hope when he gets out, you get some civilian clothes, too. Right. <laughs> you look like Jeff Davis's advance agent. A millionaire dressed like a bum. Go ahead, let's start. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, yes. Just a bum dressed like a millionaire. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He finally found his lungs and said something. In this corner, a fight fight to the finish between no hair and no anything. In this corner, dynamic Frank Sinatra, weight 175 and a half ounces. And over here, bulging Bing Crosby, right in the pink of young lardhood. Okay. Come out swinging. You're first, Sinatra. Call Crosby something. Well, um, um... Come on, come on. Call him something. Well, gee, there's so much to choose from. <laughs> can, I, can I call him anything? Sure, anything. Anything at all? That's right, sure. Call him the worst thing you can think of. Okay. Bing, you're a... You're a... You're a Bob Hope. That's okay. what you <laughs> Oh, I'll never be able to top that. Never in the world. A fine fight. Everybody hits the referee here tonight. Okay, wide drawers, it's your turn. <laughs> it's your turn to insult bones. Okay. <clears throat> well, let's see now. Uh, I'd like to come up with something that'll live for years, even if the recipient won't. <clears throat> I think I have it. All right, let it go, Sinatra. You, sir, are so completely emaciated that you could stroll through an olive without even disturbing the pimento. End of round one. We find at this point that Crosby is leading by a nose. I'm glad you're not in this, Hope. Yeah. <laughs> Lay off my shiv, bub. Okay. 
Round two coming up. You take it first, Cabbage Head. Okay, okay here, here I, I go. go. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Pardon me. After you, sir. Uh, no, no, I think he meant you, sir. Well, who did you mean, Hope? Oh, I think I should have been more specific. I meant the cabbage head with the hair. <laughs> See? I told you he meant me, kid. <laughs> I should have known you've got the right complexion for it, too. Just right. Well, don't stand there, Frank. You're not going to let him get away with calling your names, are you? You bet your life I'm not. Well, go ahead. Answer him back. Well, you're darn right I will, hey. Sticks and stones can break my bones and soak and soft-boiled eggs. So there. <laughs> Well, that ends it, folks. Command Performance has just brought you a battle between two great singers, too little and too late. <laughs> okay, boys, the insults are over. This is Christmas. You're both coming to my party later on. Step up here and shake hands. Okay, Frankie, put it there. Shake, Bing. Oh, well, I can always use it to wipe the windshield. <laughs> Just wrap it around the microphone, Frankie. You've got to sing now. Yeah, Frankie, what are you going to sing that I couldn't do half as well? <laughs> Just for me, what are you going to sing? I'd like to sing anything for you, Bing. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs>
Now it's three hours later. We take you to Bob Hope's house on this Merry Christmas Eve. Yes, it's a great night for Bob. All his friends are there to help him celebrate. Everyone who loves him is at his house tonight. Let's look in on this scene of gaiety. For I'm a jolly good fellow. <laughs> for I'm a jolly good fellow. For I'm a jolly good fellow. Which nobody can deny. Cause no one's there. <laughs> you can't sing either, huh? <laughs> Gee, what a party. I expected 50 people and not one showed up. Now I'm stuck with 13 cupcakes. <laughs> Gee, if only someone would show up, anyone at all. Hey, maybe it's Hetty Lamar. Maybe it's Ann Sheridan. Maybe it's Rita Hayworth. Whoever you are, come in and get kissed. <laughs> I hope my mustache won't take off. Well, who are you? Well, me, I'm a general colonel. Oh, a soldier, huh? How'd you happen to drop in tonight? Well, uh, you've always been my favorite uh, me, 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 movie star. Movie star. You see, I, I, I just love you on the radio. I wanted to see the great Bob Hope and It was too far to the nearest restroom. <laughs> Is that the only reason you came to my party? Well, uh, yeah, frankly, no. I, I thought you might have some you know, civilian wax. Oh, shame on you, Sack. Is that all you like to do, chase women? Oh, no. There's something I, I like much better than chasing women. What's that? <laughs> Catching them. <laughs> well, Sack, I hate to disappoint you, but there are no girls here at my party tonight. In fact, there are no men either. Oh, uh, just our type, huh? Yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it is, Sack. I invited a whole crowd, and no one showed up. Yeah, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, and I fixed up a big spread, too. Look over there in the dining room. See that big table of food with the cute maid standing next to it? Yeah. Well, there's no use letting it go to waste. Why don't you go over and help yourself to anything you want? <laughs> don't you think she'll mind? <laughs> oh, that's okay. And to show you my heart's really in the right place, servicemen, half price. So long. Well, 11.30, looks like no one's coming. I'm sure they could find the house unless my neon sign went out. <laughs> the one that says, Guided Tours Through the Home of the World's Number One Comedian. Men a dollar, children 50 cents. Women, I'm sure we can come to terms. <laughs> Gee, what a letdown. Oh, well, I'll stretch out on the couch for a few minutes and take it easy. <sighs> Boy, this is comfortable. <whistles> Hetty, please. Don't, Hetty, not in public. <laughs> Hetty, stop. It's not nice to bite your nails. 
look, on the couch. Yes, it's Bob, fast asleep. Oh, isn't he cute all curled up? Curled up is right. Gee, you'd think he'd get his nose straightened out, wouldn't you? <laughs> and I gotta be sleeping. <laughs> so that's what Bob looks like when he's asleep. Yeah, ghastly, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. He's kind of nice looking. Look at that square chin. And look at those square shoulders. Yeah, he's one of the biggest squares I ever seen. Listen, I think he's snoring. Oh, look, he's awake. Well, so, so you got here after all, huh? Why, sure, Bob. You didn't think we'd desert you on Christmas Eve, did you? Well, no, sir. We simply had to come here tonight because our widow dream man is here. Well, now you're talking. And we all want to give our dream man a kiss. This gets better and better. Keep moving. And we just want to love him to death. One at a time, girls. <laughs> Say, we're not going to wait another minute. We're going to start kissing right now. Yeah, 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 not so fast. Merry Christmas, everybody. And now with a Christmassy note, here's the Bob Mitchell Boys Choir and Santa Claus is coming to town. Before Christmas and all through the house Not a creature is stirring Not even a mouse Better watch out Better not cry Better not fight I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town Making a list Checking it twice Gonna find out who's naughty and nice Santa Claus is coming to town he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Oh, you better watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town. Have you been good, as good as you could, as boys and girls all should? Who didn't mind, and who has been kind? Out. Better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list, checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake.
The man's performance takes you now to Washington, D.C. for a Christmas message by the Commander-in-Chief. Ladies and gentlemen, the President. Men and women of the armed forces, it is with a heart filled with gratitude that I say Merry Christmas to you who have given this nation and all nations this first Christmas of peace in so many years. We are happy today because our hymns of thanksgiving are not mocked by the sound of gunfire. We are happy because we know that you are safe and will return to us when your duty ends. We are grateful that such Americans as you are representing the United States of America and all that it means with the other nations of the world. Yes, it is indeed a Merry Christmas, and the gift of peace that you have given to your country is and shall remain the most cherished of all the gifts to man. It is not possible to repay a man for the years of his youth or for his sacrifice of health or for the loss of his buddies. But there is one thing the American people can and will give you. It is the resolution, the determination, that the freedom you bought so dearly will never be jeopardized again, that the victory will be used to try to work out a lasting peace and a better world. Thank you, and God bless you on this Christmas. I say this not as your Commander-in-Chief, not as President of the United States, but as a fellow citizen who knows in his heart how much you have given to keep all men free. Thank you, Mr. President. And now it's time for a command performance tradition. You know, this is our fourth round of the world Christmas program. Each one ended with our singing the carols, the Christmas songs we all love. But in 1941 and 2 and 3 and 4, there were silent places where our voices didn't reach. Christmas 1945 and the bright melodies of the carols go swinging down the streets of Berlin and Tokyo, too. Judy, Dinah, Ginny, Francis, Bing, and the choir joining hands with all of you overseas and on the seas to sing the great songs of peace on this, the first Christmas of peace in a long, long time. streets all connect now. Euclid Avenue and the Wilhelmstrasse, Broadway and the Ginza, Wilshire Boulevard and the jungle paths and airstrips of Africa and Asia and the islands of the sea. And so on this night when the Prince of Peace was born. All of us are joyful and triumphant. Francis?
claws on the corner with a belt in his hand has a faraway look in his eye. He knows that he can't really celebrate until all of you come home. And so he rings it for you in Germany and France and Italy for the ATC crews at dozens of airstrips for all of you in England and India and China and Japan. And not far from Santa's Corner and Little Church, your folks are sitting. And they sing a song of peace on earth. And in their hearts is great thanksgiving. Jenny? Mark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn king Peace on earth and mercy of the world, the freedom-loving people of the United Nations, citizens of Earth, are singing a song of liberty. They find strength and peace as they did in war by heralding again the moment 1945 years ago when a little child was born. to wrap up all of home and send it to you. The crystal snow, the look on a kid's face when he sees his new sled, the trees and the wood smoke, the dime store windows, a Tom and Jerry, the smile you happen to love. It all means Christmas. Judy? It came upon a midnight clear that glorious song of From angels bending near the earth to touch their hearts. 
This is a happy Christmas, all right. It's a great Christmas. Next year, pray God, all of you will be singing this at your own fireplaces, around your own trees. This song that means so much to all of us. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon Bells of Christmas 1945 ring out clear and free around the world to you. Listen to them. Their message comes from the hearts of 132 million grateful Americans. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. And Merry Christmas to all of you. Forces Radio Service. Thank you. 
Okay, that was a two-hour radio extravaganza from Command Performance, December 15th, 1945. Um, announcer on that was Ken Carpenter, who was Bing Crosby's longtime announcer. You also heard, which I didn't say in the beginning, Ginny Sims, Johnny Mercer, Francis Langford, and Kay Kaiser. And for all of you out there who say, who? Uh, they were actually at the top of the... Um, musical box office in 1945 along with frank sinatra and bing and dinah um they're mostly forgotten these days although johnny mercer is famous for uh, a number of writing a number of songs Kay kaiser had his own radio show the college of musical knowledge uh, Ginny sims had her own radio show johnny mercer had his own radio show anyway all the the music from this particular program if you're into the later big band period, the, the 1945 or so big band period, it was a very cross-section of that uh, style of singing and uh, song choices. You also heard President Harry Truman on there. Interesting. And my favorite part was Mel Blanc as Private Sad Sack doing his best Porky Pig imitation. So we got to have Porky Pig and Mel Blanc on one of these things to make it humorous. This is the Good Old Days of Radio Show. This was our Christmas present to you for Christmas of 2023. Hope you all have a great Christmas in a few days with your families. And um, we will be back on Tuesday, which coincidentally is my birthday. And we have a special program for you on Tuesday, video style. Video, you're actually going to get to see us kind of do a Good Old Days of Radio show, although it's going to be a little bit different. Than, than what we normally do, but not exactly. So make sure you check back on Tuesday for that, but you will get um, video along with the audio. So television's creeping in, whatever. Okay, Merry Christmas uh, from me, John Tefteller, producer Daniel, and everybody else out there in Radio Land. Uh, this is the Good Old Days of Radio Show. See you again. Mm -hmm.